0: It's not just understanding others, it's understanding yourself in relation to
1: others. I'm Leslie Ferry, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of Brise, a mobile app designed to empower individuals and ignite their career success. On our Bright and Wise podcast, we integrate practical skills development guidance with stories of exceptional people who share how they got to where they are today and where they want to go next. Keep listening to hear how you can become Bright and Wise. Welcome to season three of the Bright and Wise podcast. I am very fortunate to be joined by not one, but two industrial organizational psychologists, Dr. Mo McCuster and Dr. Nikki Blacksmith. Nikki has published over 60 different conference papers, book chapters, and journal articles, her scientific research has been published in top-tier publications, including the Journal of Business and Psychology, Personality and Individual Differences, Journal of Personality Assessment, and Intelligence. And her research has also been featured in many media outlets like New York Magazine, Real Simple Magazine, and Bustle. Mo has published over 30 different journal articles, scientific Conference papers and book chapters, and she's earned several awards and grants for scholarly research from the US Department of Health and Human Services, Virginia Tech, and the Department of Defense. Nikki and Mo are also the co-founders and CEO of Blackhawk Behavior Science, whose aim is to help organizations and individuals accelerate their growth and success by helping us all understand and leverage human capital knowledge. As some of you may have heard me say in prior episodes, work today is uber teamwork. So it's essential we all understand ourselves, our colleagues and peers, and the cultural norms of our employers to achieve our definition of career success and the organization's success. Given Nikki and Mo's deep expertise, we are not going to be able to cram everything we want to talk about with them into a single episode. So I am very grateful that they both agreed to spend several episodes with us to help unpack or break down this human knowledge topic into understandable, actionable bits to help us all perform better in our careers. In our discussions together, we're going to talk about self-awareness and Mo and Nikki are going to help us understand exactly what it is, which goes beyond just ourselves to integrating relational awareness and then awareness collective as a team. Covering these topics in this way will help us all understand why self-awareness and self-awareness soft skills are essential in the workplace. Well, welcome Mo and Nikki, and thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to talk with you both and to learn more about these important topics during our time together. As I've gotten to know you both uh, a little bit more, I feel your passion for the science of psychology and your desire to leverage it to help others. So before we jump right in, I think it will be helpful for our listeners if uh, if you can share a little bit about what attracted you to psychology in the first place, and then to specialize specifically in industrial organizational psychology. Pick which one would like to go first. <laughs> um, I'll
0: go first. Um, so this is just for the the listeners. Um, this is Mo McCusker. Um, I'll talk a little bit about how um, I got to my place as an IO psychologist. And so for those, um, you know, who, who, May not be as familiar with industrial organizational psychology or what we refer to as I.O. psychology. Um, it's it's what we like to say is the study of people at work, and it can vary from a wide variety of different um, domains, from diversity and inclusion to leadership and team processes to motivation. Um, but my specific focus is on um, studying and the study and the practice, if you will, of leaders and teams together. So um, how to put the right people in the right place on the right team and at the right time. Um, And there's really a science behind it. So how I got interested in this is um, I knew I always was curious about people and their motives and their behavior. So I had a deep curiosity and understanding why people do what they do. And then as I grew up and learned more and studied more and worked more, I really got a deep exposure to um, leaders and specifically leaders of of higher ed organizations and nonprofit organizations. I worked with them as a consultant in um, contract negotiations and best practices. So I wanted to understand better how and why they came to be, um, as leaders and how they, how they came to be effective leaders. So I grew to, to learn more about them. And I went to pursue a PhD in leadership in industrial organizational psychology. And then in understanding more about leadership, I understood that without a team, you can have no leaders, right? So without followers, there are no leaders. And so then I began to study the system of leadership and team dynamics. And then turned it out into um, more of a
2: startup space and to other domains. So thanks, Mo, for talking about what IO psychology is. You made my job easier. <laughs> <laughs> so I obviously have a pretty linear career track compared to most people. So when I was in high school, I first took a psychological assessment and just kind of fell in love with psychology because um, I was very introspective and I really thought it was just like the coolest thing. And so I went to the University of Iowa and got my degree in psychology. Back then, IO psychology was very, very new. So there was no classes that even offered something similar to IO psychology. And so I did a lot of research in clinical psychology, then social psychology. And I thought it was super interesting, but I kept asking, like, after all these cool, like, psychological experiences, like, what do we do with this information? What next? And so I didn't really see myself going down the academic track. And luckily, this professor from the business school came and talked about IO psychology like probably right before I was about to submit like graduate applications for a master's program. And I was like, that sounds exactly like what I want to do. So I took a leap of faith and moved to North Carolina without ever <laughs> having been there. Um, And it was the best decision I ever made. Uh, so when I was there, I was in an industrial organizational psychology master's program, did some consulting for a few years but realized like my heart was really kind of in the science aspect of it. And while I was consulting, I was being promoted to leadership positions. And most people that sounds really cool and, you know, like great. But to me, I was like, I keep getting further and further away from the work I really want to be doing. (laughs) And I wouldn't, I wasn't that excited about the promotions. So I started just like reflecting back, like, okay, what, are you excited about what do you care about? And that's what led me to go back and get my Ph.D. in Ohio psychology. So I took a few different steps in between. I think most people in Ohio psychology go straight to their Ph.D. But for me, I, I took a little <laughs> trial and error.
1: But that probably made it a richer experience because you had uh, you had, had witnessed and experienced what you were then now going to learn the science about. So yes. from a a work standpoint. So that's fantastic. Well, thank you uh, for sharing that. That's really uh, exciting. And that will help us now set the stage for what we're gonna talk about. And as you both know, Brys is about helping individuals become very self-aware in the workplace and, and how soft skills integrate or uh, help to drive that greater self-awareness. So that's what we're really going to talk about today. And so let's get into it. And if you could just describe what self-awareness means, because I suspect everyone has an idea and you can speak to the numbers, as you know, this far better than I do. But most people believe they are highly self-aware and most people have very low self-awareness. So help us understand what it is and then uh, explicitly in context of work.
2: You know, actually that, that comment you just said is really interesting. There was a research study that was done and, and asked a bunch of people, you know, are you self-aware? 95% of people answer, yes, I'm highly self-aware. Um, but then when you actually like dig down and do the real research to see if they're Self-aware, it's only about 15%. Wow, okay, um, so it definitely is kind of this new, they call it the meta skill of the 21st century because it really does have a high relationship to how we perform. And the reasons for that is because it is our ability to see ourselves with clarity, to really understand who we are, how other people see us and how we fit into the world. And that allows us to kind of self-regulate and monitor the way we behave to match the situation to get the highest performance.
0: Yeah, and I'll just, I'll just add to that because we, we see self-awareness, oftentimes it's discussed, especially in you know the non-scientific literature or just in, in, in the pop science or um, in articles that you read. We, we read all about self-awareness, but we perceive it and, and study it as a much more complex phenomenon that self-awareness is not just about you as an individual. Sure, that's one aspect of it, but we see it as a multi-level kind of construct, if you will. So there's this understanding of who you are as an individual, as Nikki mentioned, being able to see yourself with clarity, your values, your motives, who you are, as well as an understanding of your personality. Um, But then, especially within the work context, we see self-awareness also has an interpersonal aspect. And what we call that is is relational self-awareness, or oftentimes dubbed relational awareness. And this is really an understanding of yourself in relation to one or more others. So it can be yourself in relation to your boss, right? Your leader and your member exchange relationship, LMX as we call it. It can be a relationship of you in relation to a family member um, and what that relationship is. So we we self-regulate. We are humans. We change and adjust in accordance with our beings that are around us. And so that's a second level is this this relational self awareness and then the third one that we we really study at work is your collective awareness or collective self awareness so who are we not just who am i or who am i in relation to someone else but who are we as a unit as a team What are our strengths and our assets and liabilities, as we call it in our company, Black Hawk Behavior Science, as a collective, as a unit? Um, And so we think it's really important to take this multi-level approach when we're talking about self-awareness, because that's when we really start to see the outcomes and the benefits and the results emerge, is when people have that deep understanding of their self um, and collective awareness.
1: I love that. So I just want to because and it's so important. So I'm going to I'm going to try to pare back what you said, because I think it's yeah. worth repeating multiple times because it's critical to, to this discussion. Right. It's about understanding who we are as individuals and at that level, understanding our own strengths and weaknesses, I, I believe, and our behaviors and motivations and characteristics and those types of things. Understanding, and I'm going to put it in a very specific uh, work context just to say it a little bit differently understanding our coworkers or our colleagues. And who they are and their diverse opinions and characteristics and approaches to work or individual, uh, you you had a better phrase for it at one point, Nikki, um, it'll come to me in a minute, but (laughs) about individual characteristics. And then with that, we know what as a total organization or a group, whether it's your functional area or department or two colleagues that are assigned to a project, understanding those strengths and weaknesses so you can balance and go get help where you need to be. So I see it as this building process. And maybe that's not what you intended, but that's how I was visualizing it as you were describing it. No,
0: it's definitely what we would say is something kind of nested, right? You have to start with the foundation of your your individual. But I want to qualify a little bit what you said about that second one. It's not just understanding others. It's understanding yourself in relation to others, right? So it's understanding not just, you you have to know others in order to understand um, who you are in relation to them, but it's not just understanding them. It's understanding your relationship at a dyadic
1: level. Great. Great. Excellent. Thank you. So now that we understand uh, a little bit more of this multifaceted, uh, what self-awareness really integrates on a larger scale. And I, I think I could guess, but I won't put words in your mouth. I'll listen to you experts. Let's talk about the outcomes of what that means and why that is so beneficial in the workplace, both at an individual level and to this team dynamic situation.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of different outcomes. There's even self-outcomes. So our fellow uh, organizational psychologist, Tasha Yurik, has done a lot of research on self-awareness. And what she has found is that It's really kind of the foundation for all the other skills that are important in the workplace, like emotional intelligence, influence, empathy, um, how we persuade or communicate with others, how we collaborate with them. So if you want to build on those skills, the first starting place is to build your own self-awareness. And the lack of self-awareness can be really risky at the workplace, Um, It you know, because if you don't understand how other people are interpreting your behaviors, there's potential for a lot of miscommunication and misinterpretation. And it becomes especially more important at higher level roles because people are constantly looking at you to how you behave um, and how you're role modeling those behaviors in the workplace. Um, and if you don't have an awareness of how others are perceiving those, you're not realizing like that they're even probably copying your behaviors and role modeling them. And, and that leads to inorganic organizational cultures.
0: Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just add a little bit onto that because I do think, you know, there's, there's this level of understanding that self-awareness is, is right. It's a self-understanding in a, in a sense, then there's what you do about it. Right. And so um, I think, sure, we can all be self-aware and then not regulate is what we call it. It's kind of the self-regulation as a result of the awareness. And again, this is me thinking about self-awareness as a kind of relational and a team construct as well. Because if we understand ourselves, then we can build, and like Nikki said, we can communicate better and we can build stronger relationships. And all of these in turn have positive outcomes for us and our teams at work. So just think about it. If, If we don't really understand who we are, what we value, right? And then we join an organization that has very different values from us, right? That's just a very concrete example. And then we're, we're sitting there and we're like, oh, wait, this, this isn't working out. This Why is this not working out? Oh, it's because we have fundamentally different values, right? And so if you understand your own self, you understand where to put yourself and then how to behave. And that gives you the agency to kind of drive positive outcomes for yourself, your team, and your organization. And so it really is the foundation.
2: Yeah. There's actually been some research that shows that senior executives who lack that self-awareness are six hundred times more likely to derail, and that can cost companies anywhere up to fifteen million dollars per executive. So, because it's so you know such a foundational skill and leads to so many other skill sets, not having it's important. But if you do have strong self awareness, there's a lot of positive outcomes that come from that. People are happier in what they do because they're they know who they are and what they do well, so they're doing it. Um, they make wiser decisions. They uh, are like Mo said earlier, make um, stronger, better personal relationships with those around them. Uh, they're more creative and, and more confident um, because they really know what they bring uniquely to the team and to the workplace that, you know, they know what they contribute uniquely. Um, and I think that's key. because Some people, they want to know where they fit, right? And what do they add value? How do they add value? And self-awareness is that starting place to understand how you can add value.
0: And I really want to touch back. I think we're going to touch on it maybe perhaps a little, a little later if we can squeeze it in this notion of confidence that really is one of, in my opinion, the best positive outcomes that can result in a deep understanding, deep self-understanding and self-awareness because confidence drives so many other work-related outcomes. Coming back to this idea of alignment, right? You're aligning yourself with your own true self. And so when you understand your own self, then you can become more aligned, your behaviors, yourself, your understanding of where you want to be. And then, and that in turn drives better performance, um, more promotions, more confidence, and all of these great things that Nikki just mentioned.
1: So uh, yeah, and we will come back to confidence because I think you're more confident when you truly understand your strengths and weaknesses, right? And you're not afraid to go ask for help because you can't be great at everything. We have to understand our strengths and weaknesses. So you guys, that was phenomenal. I want to make one more very concrete link uh, for our listeners though. And it's around, you you, you both said it implicitly, but I want to explicitly say it is that being self-aware actually drives very positive mental well-being and because think about work and how we have we have so much on us and it can be very stressful whether that's time crunches or which in my lifetime has always been I've been in technology so the rapid pace of development of technology you just had to move fast and that was just a different level of stress but if you uh, can understand who you are and how you can manage stress those types of emotions, if you will, uh, that really drives positive mental health. So if you could share just a little bit more on that topic, because I think it's so critical in our day and age, especially with what we've just been through the last 18 months and having to balance everything, everything got blended somehow, right? <laughs> yes.
2: I, I love could this topic. Oh, go ahead, Nikki. You oh, no. <laughs> I was going to share a personal example of how I've reduced my stress in my life by being self-aware procrastination and waiting to the very last minute like increases my anxiety exponentially so if I make sure that I'm doing things like with enough room to review and go back and make it perfect because I'm a perfectionist then the amount of stress like is so much reduced compared to what it would have been had I not done that um it took me a long time to learn that (laughs) you know like I was a college student waiting to the last minute to turn my paper in I consciously think of ways, like how can I reduce stress in my life? And that was probably one of the biggest ways.
0: Excellent. Yeah. That's a great example. And it's, it's funny because Nikki and I, you know, we're, we're co-founders. Um, we work close, very closely together and we can be polar opposites in a lot of ways, even though we are so, so close. And one of them is in the ways that she just, she just <laughs> said, is, um, I can be very last minute. And um, I know that Until, you know, I kind of do have a very strong inverse U formation of my stress performance relationship, right? So if I do wait to the ultimate last minute, then I will become more stressed. But if I wait just long enough, then I do feel a little bit of anxiety and I do sometimes thrive on stress. That's an understanding of one. Where my stresses arise from, and to way back deep introspection into you know even back to things of of growing up as to why um, my re- my own relationship with stress and oftentimes why it may drive performance. But I do think giving yourself an understanding and giving yourself a path to be like, okay, yes, I mean we we are going to feel stress and it's okay. I am the more you build self awareness, sometimes that's not all good things that you uncover about yourself. And that's okay, because that's just who we are. You're uniquely yourself, whether or not um, it fits a societal standard or not. It's the understanding of it and then making decisions accordingly, you know, to be the best mentally well that you can be. And so for me, really understanding that, yes, stress is just a part of me, right? It's just a part of me. It's going to be there. Um, I can monitor and regulate it because I know what my drivers are and what reduces it. So I think it's really understanding your own relationship with with stress, understanding where it comes from right and some you know even sometimes as far back as your family of origin, understanding your relationship with stress and then being compassionate with yourself and saying it's okay to feel this way. Um, I'm gonna do my best to try to make it the most well form of stress and there is healthy stress out there.
1: So I want to build on that a little bit, what you were what you were talking about, and, and get to teams. So there's one thing that um, we really need to appreciate in business. And I think your example, uh, Mo, of how you and Nikki can be inverse of each other from, yeah. uh, and maybe you may feel, uh, I'm, I'm projecting a little bit here, uh, Mo, that you actually thrive better under stress, meaning you produce better work under stress. So you need a little bit of that anxiety to, to up your game. Whereas Nikki, it sounds like you, you want to be able to Produce something, walk away from it, come back and review it. So it's just a different um, uh, approach to work, right?
2: Because we are so polar opposite and we know that those different stresses work, we've actually built in a process where I really like a blank page. So, and I like to start and throw my ideas on page and I'll get things down. And then I can walk away from it because then Bo is the one who steps up and, you know, it's closer to the deadline and she's really good at just. <laughs> Like taking it to a whole new level right, <laughs> so right. knowing that about each other has actually created a way where we can interact and um process the work in a much more efficient way while also like playing off you know each other's strengths like i can do it ahead of time and not reduce my stress and then mo also gets it a little bit later so she can survive in that um you know environment that she needs that's yeah. the
0: relational self-awareness right, right. So understanding um understanding me And understanding my tendencies and understanding my co-founder and my co-CEO's tendencies and then complementing them, Mm -hmm. complementing with an E, right? So finding ways that we can actually work together in almost like this symbiotic relationship that produces something much larger than just the sum of its parts. And that's what results from the self-awareness and the self-understanding of us in relation to each other.
1: So that's great from a one-on-one standpoint, right? Um I was uh fortunate enough to work for a Fortune 500 company pretty young and pretty early in my career. But what that taught me and what I had to learn quickly is that there are stressors at different points of times in a month. So back in that day, I was actually still in accounting and I had the monthly close. And just from a team dynamic standpoint, one thing you really need to understand is uh, different stressors and different. It's a, it's around business acumen, really. Right. And how do you integrate that into your um Self awareness, team awareness, and organizational awareness. Because if the other teams didn't understand what we were going through working until midnight every night because we were a public company and had to close the books, you know, people knew not to come talk to us the last, you know, the first three days of the month because we were a little busy. Uh, But that's another just like a very specific business example of how this awareness transcends uh, so many topics. So from one on one to Organization, I think, uh, Mo, that gets to your uh, really focus and study area around how do organizations really know how to work together and, and understand who they are, maybe.
0: Yeah, and I love this idea of, um, I think you touched on it a little bit is the post stress. So, we're, we often talk about what what drives stress and how do we minimize stress. It's going to happen at work in, mm-hmm. in any organization, we know stress is likely to happen at some point in time, and so it's not just preventing it when it happens, it's understanding how you then react to stress. So how do you come down from it? Um, what do people do post-stress? Do they turn inwards and close out and kind of, you know, pull their head back in their shell? Or do they um, get frustrated and kind of reactive? And so so I think there's this dance around not just preparing to for stress and minimizing it. When it happens, it's then a self-awareness of how do I react to it and how do those around me react to it? And then that understanding is, oh, it's okay. This is just what happens when, when Mo's after she's gone through a really stressful time, she tends to get a little down on herself, but don't worry, we can cheer her right back up again. And she'll be right back at it again. And that's what Nikki's for. So after a really stressful time, she's like, Oh, and she brings me back down to earth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, And then one thing that, uh, this is a very, very detailed, but it's, I think it's important is that when you have that understanding and when we're stressed, we don't always bring our best selves, right? We can misbehave when we're stressed, which is just human nature too. Um, but if you, if people understand that and know you and know that you're on a stressful period, they won't take it personally. They, you know, so many of us internalize and say, well, what did I do? It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It's all about that other person, right? So all of this comes together about, and I think this to, to, to try to round this up around the discussion around mental health is that when we know these things, we are, uh, we can focus on things that are positive and getting work done versus ruminating almost on unimportant things that really wasn't about us to begin with.
0: <laughs> kind yeah. Of. And, and if I can just add one more tidbit here that I, um, again, I'm, I I see this as a process of, and stress is a great example, It's a, or any emotion, right, that we yeah. experience at work is what causes it so what are the triggers for that particular emotion so understanding that and then also tapping into when you are experiencing emotion at work for me I have to name it I have to say what is this feeling is it frustration is it anger is it stress what is this and and oftentimes I think at work anyone in general normal humans we often tap out of our feelings right because we're so you know focused on something else and that we don't really know what we felt but we know we felt something and yeah. then we don't really know how to react to it because yeah. We don't know what we felt, right? And so understanding what drives a particular emotion, what naming and understanding what that emotion is can help. That is a self-awareness in and of itself and then can help us as we react to those emotions or those feelings um, because we know what has worked and what doesn't work.
1: If you find our podcast interesting, please leave us a rating and review so others can benefit too. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.